0: This is Bonus Features Podcast, and I am your host, Corduroy.
1: And I am your co-host, Medicine senpai
0: And today we're going to be talking about the 2013 film directed by Hayao Miyazaki, The Wind Rises. The film he released before he retired. Again. But he's actually out of retirement now.
1: Again. Again. For the seventh time.
0: So, we're going to be talking about that and the music along with its composer, Joe Hisaishi. Keep listening. We got a lot for you, a lot of bonus features coming up. We're here to talk about The Wind Rises. But first, we're going to talk about its music, which I really liked. It had a like European sound to it, I would mm. say. Instruments typically used and like n- typically known as being like, I don't know, like Italian or like European were used in this.
1: A lot, a lot of cultures uh, kind of blended. And even the music that was just playing was like historical, like German music. And- stuff
0: like that yeah like it was a lot of um the location of this film is we're in japan but also we we talk about the italian architect not architect engineer
1: uh yes um cap- a- aviation engineer aviation en- Capri- capricio
0: yes is that his name
1: it starts with a c-a-p caproni caproni Okay. (laughs) I said Capriccio. Yeah, Caproni.
0: Something, something Caproni. So we're talking about the Italian aviation engineer Caproni, who our character meets through dreams in the film.
1: which is great.
0: It's like a mixture of, like, Italian music with kind of, like, German-sounding music, kind of. We don't really have much stereotypical Japanese music in this film, mm. which is interesting because... Because of its setting. Because of the setting, and yeah. Joe Hisaishi typically does, like, I don't know, I would say... Well,
1: well, most of his, like, I feel like a lot of his stuff is, like, European-influenced, though. It's, like, all that it's kind very of... very orchestral. Orchestral stuff that he's done in, like, Kiki's and...
0: Yeah, so he's done... He's been working with Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki since their first film together, which is The
1: Castle of Cagliostro. Loop in the loop in the third movie.
0: I can't pronounce that word, so I made Medicine Pie do it for me. But um yes. That film which came out in nineteen eighty four and ever since then they've been like working together on the score and the soundtrack for their films. And so for this film Like I said, it was composed and conducted by Joe Hisaishi and performed by the Yomiuri Nippon Symphony Orchestra. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to listen to a bit of one of the songs from the movie. I would say it's, I'm not sure if this is the main theme, but it's a reoccurring cue in the film. So I'm just going to play a bit of it. It's called A Journey, and yeah. A journey in parentheses, a kingdom of dreams. Like I said, directed by or conducted by Joe Hisaishi and Yomiuri Nippon Symphony Orchestra, and I guess it kinda sounds like other pieces that we've heard from Joe Hisaishi. It's less epic than like the score for I would Spirited Away, where yeah. that was like really epic and really like.
1: And I feel like Spirited Away had a lot more of an Asian influence in its. Yeah, so that's why I was
0: saying this one sounds more like European to me.
1: But his movies, like a lot of his movies, are based on like European, uh, like Porco Rosso and Kiki's Delivery Service. So he's used like, house moving castle, house moving castle. All use very similar like orchestral, mm-hmm. European sounding themes. I think there was only I can only think of a couple movies that really used like jet ja- like Japanese sounding like My Neighbor Totoro. I think used a lot of yeah, Japanese sounding. Yeah. Instrumentation in
0: it. I want to say spirited away, but I don't know how to
1: it, it did and I describe. I, I listen to the I, I listen to that I listen to that soundtrack very often cuz it's got like
0: <laughs> the ending song. It was very the ending song, like very Japanese.
1: Good. But the song, my favorite scene is when the, the on the train when they're going to the forest or whatever that song. It's like um, six a stop. six
0: stop. Yes. Yeah. That's my oh, favorite I song. I love that song. I love Dragon Boy from that Ugh, it's so like intense with the drums and everything. Anyway,
1: yeah, uh, Asian influence too.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's why that. That's why I said that because the drums and just like all the instruments sound very Eastern. Not really like what we would use in an orchestra over here. But anyway, so yeah, the wind rises has a very distinct sound. Also, at the beginning of the movie, we see like lines from a poem that it that's in it's in italian right the poem
1: Uh, i believe so
0: yes yeah and yeah i I was gonna try to read it but then i was like no just i don't i don't speak italian so no but the translation at the beginning of the film is the wind is rising we must try to live
1: to which i think that i think that isn't that spoken by when they first meet on the train and everything that's I believe she recites that in like French. I wasn't sure if that was the same poem. I think the, it I might I have been a different
0: poem, but I just remember she was speaking in French, and then Giro was like, "Oh, is that blah 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 blah?" And then she said something in French.
1: Yeah, when he when he sat down, he recited it in English. I just assumed it was the same.
0: Anyway, so that was one song. Another song that I think. Really does a good job of like just like setting a tone for the film. is the ending song by Yumi Matsutoya. It's Hikikogumo, but it, it, the English translation is Vapor Trails. It's just like such a like powerful song. Yeah, I'm just gonna play it because I don't want to try to like mansplain this like <laughs> to
1: y'all.
0: <laughs> So, that was Yumi Matsutoya's 1973 song, Hikoki Gumo, or Vapor Trails. And it's basically about a girl who, like, flies a plane. And, like, her life is just, like, that's just her entire life. is about being in the sky and flying and, like, leaving a vapor trail. Which fits the themes of this film, The Wind Rises, pretty well. This song was actually suggested to... Joe Hisaishi and Hayao Miyazaki because they just thought that it fit like the tone and f- mood of the film. As far as the music goes, like it's a cool soundtrack. I like it. So Miyazaki.
1: Y'all know, y'all know Miyazaki.
0: Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki. If you don't know this, he directed this film along with many other Studio Ghibli films. I would say most people. I feel like a lot of people just know that
1: name. He's well. He's like the most prolific, like yeah, director in anime history. He's like, and the, he's been doing it since like the, the early 80s. 80s.
0: He's just like the George Lucas of sci-fi, but like for anime, anime animated movies, Japanese. You know what I mean?
1: Not actual sci-fi, but. Well, like animation in general.
0: Hayao Miyazaki is that, as George Lucas is to sci-fi. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you wanna tell us a little bit about Miyazaki?
1: He's getting up. In, he's getting up in age. The man is retired. Uh, I think th- this would be his eighth time retiring.
0: Are you b- being
1: serious? Yes, I'm actually. How many
0: times has he has he tried to retire?
1: Seven. So far, like that's Genuinely a real, seven. that's a number that's that, number. you know, I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, wow. OK, Yeah, <laughs> that was that's me being serious. I yeah. can never tell. <laughs> he's, he's retired way, way more times than most people do. But it's like every time he does, he just he's like, oh, oh I got an idea. Shoot. Got to got to get the boys back together.
0: He's like the state of this world isn't OK. I got to make another movie.
1: Exactly. Um, He started Studio Ghibli. Forever ago, I guess Nausicaa would essentially be their first film, though they weren't called Studio Ghibli at the time. Yeah, he's been working with um, Isao Takahata and all of them for many years. But, you know, he directed Spirited Away and How's Moving Castle and movies that most people know. Even if you don't watch anime, you've probably seen one of his movies. Yeah,
0: he directed several films with Ghibli, starting with Castle in the Sky in 1986 So yeah, like you said, Nausicaa wasn't actually with Studio Ghibli, but Castle in the Sky was the first one. Then My Neighbor Totoro, then Kiki's Delivery Service, and Poco Rosso. And then that was all in the late 80s and early 90s. And then Princess Mononoke was the first animated film to win Japan Academy Prize for Picture of the Year. And Briefly was the highest grossing film in Japan. And then I believe his next film, his very next film, Spirited Away in 2001, topped that like yeah. Princess Mononoke topped,
1: topped, topped that right off and then and when was, wasn't that didn't that win what did that win
0: it won an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature yep. and it's considered one of the greatest animations of all time I saw it many in many the people say that
1: yeah, saw it in the theaters last week and oh really we do it 10 more times
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't seen it in theaters yet I really want to Zaki is actually working on a new film right now mm-hmm. the english translation is how do you live or how are you living and it comes from the title of a 1937 book by Ginzaburo Yoshino a journalist who served as chief editor of Sekai a progressive monthly magazine.
1: Miyazaki is so cultured it's I know. Uh, it's kind of disgusting. Like, he's just so, like... He's such an old man. Just a grumpy old cultured man.
0: He kind of does, like, biopics, but, like, animated and, like, not exactly... his. Like, the figures are historical, but he adds in fiction. So I guess that's how we get the genre, historical fiction. Yeah. He loves doing, like, historical fiction because this movie, The Wind Rises, was about Jiro, the guy who kind of
1: engineered planes used the by
0: Japan. yeah yeah like their fighter planes used in world war ii
1: and fun fad miyazaki like loves planes like to death like he's a big fan of planes In his documentary the kingdom of dreams and madness he is like sitting there playing with a model plane yes with hidey like sitting next to him yeah <laughs> and yeah he loves planes so i feel like this was a big uh passion Project for him.
0: So many of his films have the same kind of, like, themes. Like, we just keep seeing them. Like, flying is one of them. Yeah, he
1: uses flying in everything. Really, f- he really, really likes it.
0: feel like planes were in something else. Well, like... Or in Corroso. Yeah, well, yeah. And, um, even in Nausicaa, like, she was flying yeah. with her, like, whatever that was.
1: Kiki's. Kiki.
0: yeah. Almost, and I mean...
1: Spirit hit away. Dragon...
0: <laughs> they fly yeah okay so the dub of the movie
1: it's very good yes and like most dubs I think of most dubs done by Studio Ghibli and Disney really have never been like bad besides maybe Nausicaä like Nausicaä had a strange dub for its really especially in during that time but I feel like mo- most all the dubs after that movie were were great We're really great. The Wind Rises is one of the better, better dubs that Studio Ghibli's ever done with Disney. And, uh, you know, we have uh, Sweet Thing, Mr. Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, so we
0: have Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Jiro, the main character. And then Emily Blunt plays Nahoko. John Krasinki plays Kiro Honjo. And we all know him as Jim from The Office. Werner Herzog plays Castor. That's the like German guy. Yeah. So Werner Herzog is a very famous German filmmaker and documentarian. And I remember in one of my classes we watched his documentary Grizzly Man. So when I saw his name in the credits, I was just
1: like, "What?" See, I didn't even know that. That's sick.
0: Yeah. No. That's crazy it's funny okay so that guy his voice acting was good but then like the other lesser the the other lesser known german the secondary secondary german actors actors were not good like i'm not gonna front i could do a better german accent than they were doing. yeah they were doing a pretty bad one that was it was
1: way too thick they were trying to ham it up way too much that was like they, they you could not understand
0: them. <laughs> I was like this is not okay
1: and it wasn't in a way that was like it didn't feel natural it sounded like so, an so, American... so that was the only that was really the only problem I had yeah even the, even the Italian mm-hmm. uh, gentleman was fine was perfectly fine the German soldiers who were yeah not not exactly prominent in the film like I was just yeah, like was bad I get it but
0: like come on <laughs> May Whitman played Kayo the mm. sister. Yeah. Mama Whitman.
1: Mama Whitman,
0: yeah. That's Mama Whitman. She's so good at everything.
1: D- Disney Disney dubbing casts are usually crazy. Like yeah. you usually got like Princess Pinocchio had a ridiculous cast. Like uh They what's just her get name? very
0: notable voice actors. Yeah,
1: except for, uh, what's his name? <laughs> oh my gosh, the guy who played um Billy Bob Thornton. Don't, oh. don't <laughs> ever let Billy Bob Thornton voice act in your movie. What the heck were you thinking? Which character was he? He was the guy in Princess Mononoke, the monk, who was trying to cut oh. off the head of the... Yeah, that was Billy Bob Thornton. Don't ever let that happen again. Oh my God. You, you, you even had Miss... Um. What's her name? Um
0: Oh, I think I... um The, the girl... She was the um like is it J? No, I was gonna say Jada Pinkett.
1: Um, Jada Pinkett Smith. Is, is that it? Yes. Nah. Yes. Jada is Pinkett that it? Smith. It actually. Is. Okay. Yeah. Cool. J- Jada Pinkett Jada Pinkett Smith was in *Princess Modern okay as well. Just thought I would. That's amazing. I was
0: like, is it Jada
1: Pinkett playing okay. an extremely sassy Japanese woman? I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life.
0: I want to fact check that, but cool.
1: I'm gonna look it up right okay. now and show you. That.
0: So The Wind Rises is a fictional biopic of Jiro Horikosho, a designer of the Mitsubishi A-5M fighter aircraft and its successor, the Mitsubishi A-6M-0, and it was used by the by Japan during World War II. But the film kind of takes place before World War II. We, we don't see World War II until, like, the end of the film, and it's just kind of, like, briefly mentioned there's like a 10 year time skip and then they briefly kind of talk about how you know japan was devastated by world war ii
1: yeah but it, the movie kind of was talking about the pre era yeah, before of,
0: yeah. like they knew they were gonna go into war they knew it was imminent and so they needed fighter jets but like the german technology was always way german and american technology were always way better because we're advanced we're just japan's
1: economy everyone else was just america and germany were both superpowers and japan was just 10 years behind and
0: they were like 20
1: years behind they they were they were poor (laughs) they they were a poor country like they had to
0: use oxen to carry out their plane to the field and it took two days to do um old boy old boy kiro Was so upset about Japan's technology the entire movie. Yeah, he he
1: was so like, I am so tired of being twenty years behind. He was not. Why are we still using? Why are we still using cedar chips for (laughs) our planes? Held together he was with just, mud. Like, chain what? smoking the entire he chain- movie. <laughs> he chain smoked that whole movie. <laughs> he was not. He was having a bad it. influence on Jiro because then you see Jiro smoking and I'm like, Oh yeah. Man, you better stop corrupting.
0: <laughs> so yeah, some of the themes prevalent in this movie were, like we said, technology and just like kinda emphasizes how poor Japan's economy was and how they really were like twenty years behind other modern western countries. Yeah, it
1: was very, very, very good at kind of showing everything from Japan from you see Japanese people yeah at, at work playing baseball on their lunch break and like you see mm-hmm. just all this stuff you stay in the 40s or not the 40s actually the 20s and 30s the whole movie and it's
0: like did they even really I don't even think they really showed any cars until like you, you later. didn't see any
1: cars until the the city areas like taxis and stuff like that yeah um but yeah it's just it was it did such a good job of of showing showing what japan was like at the time it's very interesting
0: so we have another theme of flight that we kind of mentioned flight is prevalent in a lot of miyazaki films and in this one jiro kind of he wanted to make planes like he just, that was his passion that's
1: what he wanted to do
0: but he didn't want to make any like he didn't want to make planes used for war he wanted to make them just for the joy of like being in the air and flying but he but that's
1: all it was he that's all that was hiring
0: yeah that's it that was the only way he got a job was to make weaponized planes however he he really wanted to fly them but he wore glasses and was nearsighted and knew that he could never be a pilot because so back the then thing. back then you you if you didn't have 20 20 vision you couldn't be a pilot i think now that's kind of even
1: still you had your eyesight has to be
0: it has good. to be good but i think it's a lot easier like there are modifications now. So,
1: well, with glasses and stuff. Like back then, it showed you what he sees when he has his glasses on, and it was still like terrible. Yeah. So it's yeah. Nowadays we have a lot better uh, yeah. eyesight technology for people who wear glasses.
0: Yes, I agree. Or, yes, you are correct, Medicine Pie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> theme prevalent is our dreams and there's a few dream sequences throughout this movie where Giro meets the Italian aviation engineer Caproni who's like his idol and he wants to be just like him Caproni gives him some advice throughout the movie
1: yeah and that was my favorite scenes most of my favorite scenes in that movie were the dream sequences
0: they were very house moving castle-esque
1: yeah and they the advice that he's given from this dream caproni is uh is very very good advice and what kind of inspired him to, to just like you know what i can't be a pilot but you know what Caproni's not a pilot and that boy makes planes so caproni's I like can do that
0: you don't need to be a pilot i've never Desi- flown a plane yeah he's like designing them's way cooler anyway and you d- you won't die you won't you- die You're absolutely right. I mean, you might if you get. (laughs) I'm
1: a chill. Yeah, please don't ever uh, make that joke ever in my life. I I I didn't make it. Yeah, but you were. I knew exactly what you were about to say, and I was about to get really upset. And uh... y'all want to see this text he sent me?
0: No. (laughs) Well, okay, and then that brings us to our. That actually does bring us to the other themes: love and death. (laughs)
1: love and death love and death but laughing
0: (laughs) love and death so
1: both uh big big themes and once again a lot of his movies but this one was a little less i guess uh i don't want to say apologetic but it was a little more realistic than was shown in his other films and this is dealing with actual people and the limitations of their hospitals and health technology at the time and
0: This film stands out to me among Miyazaki's other films because this is this one's like the least fantastical and like the least like action oriented because it's basically just a love story between Jiro and Nahoko,
1: which is great because like most all of my favorite movies from him are the ones that are the more realistic ones. Yeah, not really having dragons or giant you know. Yeah, like whisper, cat, of the, whisper of the Heart. Cat buses. Yeah, Whisper of the Heart when Marnie was there, like that kind of stuff. I think they do a great job with it. And
0: so this one is a love story, and so during the great earthquake of 1923 in Japan. Uh-huh, so
1: that's which earthquake it was. Yes. Okay. I was looking it up, and I couldn't figure out which one it was.
0: Um. So that earthquake happened, and Naoko was with her like, what Made, not made, but like her house. Her
1: her family's kind of. Assistant: or, Yeah, I guess I guess you could say housekeeper, handmaiden. I don't know. Yeah, handmaiden. I don't, yeah, handmaiden.
0: Yeah. So during this earthquake, you know, the little island of Japan, just you know, they go through so much. Consistently stuff,
1: bombarded with
0: earthquakes. Like, would not recommend living.
1: <laughs> they, they they sit on so many fault lines. It's like they have many earthquakes. They have, they have so many, many earthquakes. earthquakes
0: they have so many volcanoes. Tsunamis are just like a hey, lmao. And then, like, (laughs) it's just not, it's just not okay. Anyway, so her handmaiden breaks her leg trying to, like, you know, flee the town during this earthquake. And Jiro happens to be also fleeing. And he ends up stopping and helping her. Like, she gets on his back. And he basically helps her get to safety during this earthquake. However, Jiro never tells Naoko and her family, like, what his name is. And then after that, um, like, two years pass, and he still, like, thinks about her. But, like, he doesn't really know anything about her.
1: Yeah, besides, like, and he tried to go back and see them, but the house they had in that area had burned to the ground after the earthquake. Mm Mm-hmm. So there was really no way for him to come in contact or, and he doesn't know anything about him. So it's like he was thinking, but just couldn't really do anything about it.
0: So we kind of just follow that, like, those two characters over the course of, like...
1: Well, I think... It's uh, over the
0: course of, like, I want to say, like, 15-ish
1: years. Something like that, I think. And... Because it starts in his, like... He starts to think. He starts to want to design planes at like what nineteen eighteen, mm-hmm. and then it goes through the thirties. I'm not sure exactly what year he helped them. But yeah, I'd say like ten yeah, to fifteen.
0: Ten to fifteen years, and so he finds out she's sick, and they have to like deal with that. It's a love story, and yeah, um, we see love. We see the themes of like love and like Loss. a partner. A partner being like sick in many Miyazaki films. So we have, it reminded me a lot of The Lepers and Princess Mononoke. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like there was another movie where someone was really sick too. I mean, when Marnie was there, but he didn't direct that. he didn't direct it, that was But uh, that's still a Ghibli film. Yeah. But yeah, so do you recommend this film to people? I do. Do you recommend this film to people who don't like anime or aren't really into? Why so? How because come?
1: it's not, if you're, if you're a fan of any historical style movies, if you like stuff like Citizen Kane or like, you know, older movies like that, this has that kind of feel of like an old, an older movie. It, I don't know. It just kind of has that feeling to it because of its setting and the time it takes place and it's not something that's like over the top and fantastical and crazy uh, if you're not into like historically driven like narratives narratives or love stories or anything like that then no but if you watch regular movies like that or if you like cartoons or whatever and they just happen to have that kind of narrative then yes i recommend it even if you don't like anime i think it's a good cool. i think it's a good historical film for for a person that people in our country doesn't know a whole lot about.
0: I think if you want to watch something from a Japanese perspective dealing with World War II, then you should watch this film and maybe if you feel like being sad, if you watch have the stomach Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. If
1: you have the stomach for it, watch Grave of the Fireflies. Because that, that deals directly with the, ooh, with the bombings of Hiroshima. Yeah. And Yosaki, so. like
0: This movie kind of... Like we we see a lot of before the film before the war, and then they do a time skip, and they just briefly mention like, well, you know, Japan's been devastated. It's but still, like, it shows
1: a lot of theme, movie, It shows a lot of what goes on before that, like the beginnings yeah. of war. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, Grave of the Fireflies deals directly with. If you want to, you know, kind of hate your country for a few days or for weeks, or I for, do that every day, or for ev- like just in general watch that movie it's also, it's studio ghibli it's not directed by miyazaki but still a good movie one of the first popular studio ghibli movies i think it came out along with totoro mm. so that brings us to the end of this episode check out the wind rises and be on the lookout for Miyazaki's next film, which will probably not be here until after 2020. Yeah. And so. <laughs> also, some
1: of, the, some of the people who work for Studio Ghibli have made a new studio, and their new movie, Mary and the Witch's Flower, comes out soon. Mm. So check that out whenever it comes out. I'm going to be on the lookout for that.
0: Thank you all for listening to Bonus Features Podcast. I want to say thanks to... Student Media at USC, Garnet Productions, and our Multimedia Directors here at WUSC, George Wassel and Luke Baker. Thank you all for listening, and thanks.
1: Keep it locked. No!